The Old Testament reading for the 15th Sunday after Pentecost is from the prophet Amos, 8th chapter, beginning in the 4th verse. Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the new moon be over that we shall sell grain? And the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small and the shekel great and deal deceitfully with false balances, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. The epistle for today is from 1 Timothy, the second chapter, beginning at the first verse. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God... And there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adore themselves, adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through the childbearing, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from the management, people may receive me into their houses. 
So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A man once uh, read the passage in 2 Peter that says, With the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And he was surprised at the difference between our understanding of things and God's understanding, and so he asked the Lord about it. Lord, he prayed, is it true that a thousand years for us is like a minute for you? The Lord said, yes. The man said, then a million dollars to us is as one penny to you? Well, yes, the Lord replied. The man said, will you give me one of those pennies? The Lord said, all right, I will. Wait a minute. <laughs> Someone once said that money is a remarkably persuasive God. We come into his house today, into Yahweh's house, God's house, to worship him, to give him praise, and to receive the forgiveness of our sins, even sins like idolatry. Money is a false god, and you cannot trust a false god. Your money doesn't care about you. It doesn't love you. Eventually, it will leave you. And yet, it is so easy for us to love it, to make a god out of it. And God in our Old Testament reading today has a, a word of condemnation for Israel through the prophet Amos. 
in just a short time God is going to let the Assyrians come in and take over take the people out of the land but he wants them to repent he sends them prophets and he sends them this prophet Amos because they are serving false gods specifically here in our reading false gods like money God accuses them he says that they trample the needy they bring the poor of the land to an end they loathe the religious festivals and the Sabbath days not because they're tedious but because they can't earn any money on those days he says they sell their goods to each other but they cheat each other they deal deceitfully they use false balances they cheat their brothers and sisters to lie in their own pockets at that time Israel was enjoying a period of great wealth and prosperity but it was their wealth that was calling the shots they were ignoring the needs of the poor they were ignoring God's call to judge fairly they were serving a false God one that cared nothing for them one that would lead them to destruction God wants them to turn around to turn back to look to him alone to serve him alone as the one true God the God who supplies their every physical and spiritual need In our gospel lesson today, Jesus continues telling parables, telling stories. He's confronting the descendants of the people of Amos's day. They are worshiping their own false gods. They are worshiping money, worshiping power. And Jesus is calling them to repent of their idolatry, calling them to turn back to the true God, to Yahweh, calling them to accept himself, to accept Yahweh's anointed one sent for their salvation. And so Jesus tells this parable, this story. He says there was a rich man who had a manager for his estate, but that manager loved money, served money, in that he was unscrupulous and wasteful with his master's money. So much so that the people who did business with the master told him about it ratted the manager out so the master of the estate called the manager in and he fired him he said I'm not gonna let you manage my estate any longer turn the books over so that I can see what's in there and the manager is now desperate of course because he's been cooking the books all this time as we'd say and now someone has squealed on him and he's fired in dealing dishonestly and recklessly with the master's money lining his own pockets he's now lost everything everything that he was counting on everything that he was worshiping his service had been focused in the wrong place it had been focused on the master's money instead of on the master so now he's stripped of his stock options he's no longer qualified for his 401k or his pension He's lost his health care package. He's sinking without a lifeboat. He'd been trusting that money to care for him, to take care of him, to provide for him. And now everything he's worked for is gone. And so he says, what am I going to do now? The master's taking the management away. I, I'm not strong enough to do physical labor. 
I'm ashamed to go out and beg for money. How am I going to live the rest of my days? The master here does an interesting thing. Uh, in, in today's society, when, when a company, especially a large one, might fire somebody, they walk them out the door. You know that, right? So that they don't do anything to the company on the way out. Talk to anybody, take anything, mess anything up. But here in Jesus' story, we get something a little different, and it's a glimpse at the generous nature of this master. Here the master fires him and instead of having him thrown into jail, which he certainly could have done, he says, now bring, you bring the books to me so that I can look them over. And obviously the, the servant doesn't do it right away. It's not like they're in the next room. He's, he has time to fiddle with the books, do whatever. It's a little bit different. Again, this is a, a window into the generosity of the master. So the manager thinks things over, comes up with a surefire plan that's going to get him set up for life. And this plan is contingent on the master's generosity. Up until now, the dishonest manager has been trusting in money. But now at this point, he starts trusting in what he should have trusted in all along. He trusts for his plan in the generosity of the master. He called in his master's clients one by one. He said to the first, how much do you owe? He said, I owe 100 measures of oil. He said, you take your bill, sit down, and write 50. How much do you owe? 100 measures of wheat. Sit down and write 80. And so this is representative. He probably called in a whole lot more people. In each case, the experts say in these two cases that the amount that was canceled seems to be about a year and a half worth of wages. It was quite a large sum. There's something curious in that story. Again, that's not that the manager wrote 50 or 80, but had the person sit down and in their own hand write 50 or 80. And then he takes the books, brings them to the master, plops them on the desk, says, here they are. And as the master looks over the accounts, he notices these changes and he sees that they are in the handwriting of the one who owes the wheat and the oil. He knows that it's no longer a matter just between him and the manager. Now the clients also know. And the master knows how happy each of these debtors must be, thrilled with his generosity. He can imagine the Facebook posts and the parties thrown in his own favor because of the way he's renegotiated their debt and even forgiven large portions of it. He has the right, of course, to go to those clients and say, look, my manager had been fired when he spoke to you, when he made these changes. He had no um, legal way to do that with you. He was no longer representing me, so I'll be expecting payment in full. He could say that. He could go to each one and do that. He has that right. And if he does, then the manager's plan falls apart, right? But he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it because, again, he is generous. 
see, the only way to undo the manager's plan would be to undo his own reputation. He's not going to do that. Instead, he calls the manager in. He says, well played. You knew me. You're a dishonest crook, but you're smart. And he commends the dishonest manager, not again, not for his dishonesty, he doesn't commend him, but for his shrewdness. And in an ironic twist, the manager at last trusted in the thing that he should have been trusting in all along. Rather than putting his trust in money, in his master's money, he should have been putting his trust in his master and in this great generosity. And Luke gives us this teaching right after the uh, parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the prodigal son, which we didn't have in our reading last week. But all of these parables are teaching about the mercy and the love of the Heavenly Father toward lost sinners. And he's doing that because the Jews, remember, are grumbling because he welcomes sinners. He even eats with them. That was what it, it said in our reading last time. The Jews are grumbling. And so Jesus tells these stories, these parables, about a loving God who wants sinners to come to him, who is so generous that he will give anything, even the life of his son. This parable underlines that generous nature of God who not only gives us our daily bread, everything that we need for this life, but also all that we need for our own spirit, giving us the Son to lay down his life to atone for the sins of the world. All of the sins. God doesn't just erase part of the debt that we owe and say, okay, now this should be easier for you. Now you can do it. Get it done. You know, clean up the rest of it and then we'll talk about heaven. No, in his generosity, God forgives all of our debt to the very last penny with the blood of his own son. Jesus follows this parable with an interesting statement, doesn't he? Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Seems a little, a little cryptic, a little difficult to understand that. What's he talking about? Making friends by unrighteous wealth so that they can receive you into heaven is kind of what it's saying. Well, we all have our master's money to use, right? Like the manager did in the parable. We are sort of managers, right? God gives us gifts, gives us money, and we manage that. What we too often forget is that it's not really ours. It's God's. All of it is God's. And that the money that we have is not a God to be served, but it's rather a gift. A gift from the true God, a gift from Yahweh, entrusted to us for a little while. And so what will we do with it? Will we serve it? Will we serve it as a God? Will we look to it for our security, for our peace of mind? Well, Jesus says nobody can serve two masters, right? You cannot serve God and money. There are wrong ways to use money and there are ways to use it. 
uh, that are good, some even that have eternal benefit. We're not to use it simply for ourselves. Of course, God wants us to take care of our daily needs. He gives it to us for that purpose. But we're not just to hoard our money and use it for ourselves, to feather our nests, make ourselves comfortable, give ourselves lives of ease. But Jesus would have us understand, because the Master is generous, because He's forgiven our debts, given us eternal life and salvation. That the money and possessions that he gives to us are to be used for others also and for the kingdom. And so Jesus says, make friends that will receive us into the eternal dwellings. So we can devote some of our money, some of our possessions even, some of our time, talents, to the work of God's kingdom to supporting the spread of the good news in this congregation, in uh, our larger synod, churches around the world, missionaries, seminaries, training up pastors. There are lots of ways that we can use that money to support the work of the kingdom. And because our God supplies every need of ours, because we can trust him wholly to do that, then we are free to use our money for other reasons. The preaching of the word, the administration of the sacraments that happens here in this congregation and as I said in the church at large. We're free to support work around the world. Some of that money, all of that money that is spent that way is used for eternal reasons. Gathering lost sinners into the kingdom to share with us the joys of heaven. So we can treat our money as a false god or we can see it for what it is, a great gift, benefit from a generous God that can be used not only to supply our daily needs but to uh, help others to come into the kingdom. Jesus in this parable is teaching us that whatever we use our money for, we have a Christian responsibility to use it well and wisely, shrewdly and enthusiastically to support the work of God's kingdom. And again, the reason we can do that is that we have an unbelievably generous master. And whether we've been faithful in the use of our money or have been less than faithful, even if we have squandered it and wasted it, been selfish and greedy with it, our master is still generous and good and cancels our debt, gives us forgiveness, even our mishandling of our master's estate for the sake of Jesus Christ. And this, of course, is all free. It does not depend on us. We don't have to earn that gift of forgiveness. We don't have a bill that we have to make payments on. We don't have to try to get into God's good graces and make up for our sins. We simply have to trust the generous nature of our Master, our Heavenly Father. May God grant us hearts that trust Him always. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.